You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock on our app, on TuneIn Radio, and online at acaville.org. At the top of the hour this hour, Aussie Video Award finalists. We're well into the season for the Australian Acapella Awards, and the national finalists for the video competition have been announced. There are 14 in the Scholastic Division and 15 in the Open, including the Academics, Burgundy Blue, and the Acapellicans. All of the finalist videos are on their website, and there's some amazing talent on display. Eligible groups must have come from Australia or New Zealand and be from 3 to 35 members. The open competition is further divided into bands, those under eight singers, and ensembles with eight or more. Head over to the site at ausaca.com and spend some time watching these great groups. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I am joined by two of my uh, closest acapella buddies in the world, Greg Starr. It is great to be on Acaville again. And Duncan Toomey. Yeah. 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 It is also great for Duncan to be on, <laughs> on uh, Tacapella again. Both of these guys have been on multiple uh, episodes of shows. They have played a big role in my acapella growth and my acapella world. And today we're going to talk all about the role of the acapella group in a community and how understanding that community in terms of publicity, culture, all that stuff can uh, give you the best chance at having your acapella group really establish themselves and have a successful year. So this is our first episode ever having two guests at the same time. This is pretty freaking cool. And uh, can we go around and just give our quick acapella backgrounds for people who do not know it? Duncan, why don't you start us off? Sure thing. Um, well, I was in an acapella group uh, in high school called Cloud Nine. It was a men's acapella group. Uh, I was also my uh, high school chamber choir occasionally did acapella style pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in college, that's really where my acapella adventures took off. I uh, helped uh, to form uh, a quartet. Uh, on campus there called Crossman uh, that existed for my four-year run at that uh, college and has subsequently uh, not disbanded, but we're no longer musically active. And then aside from that, I also uh, arrange pieces uh, quasi-professionally now um, for for various locations and schools and, and groups and things. And Greg, your experience in acapella. Okay, well... Um, during my time as an undergrad at the University of Washington, I was in a group then called the Huskies. It is now called Fermata. <laughs> and then as a graduate student at the University of Puget Sound, um, for a year and a half, I was in a group called the Timbermen, which is actually John Lambus's own creation. I hear they sucked. Not actually. Uh, yes. And then obviously I am John Lampus. Uh, my group in uh, high school, we were called the Windjammers. We did a bunch of acapella pieces. It was a choir. Uh, school choir. Then I started the Timbermen in my undergrad that Greg was a part of. Uh, Duncan and I did a bunch of arrangements for them, which was super fun. Timbermen was inspired by Crossman. Duncan sent me a thing like, hey, I started this group. And I was like, so I'm going to do that. (laughs) And it worked out. And then I'm currently in a group called the uh, Mountain Horns that I started at Colorado State University. Uh, Both Mountain Horns and Timbermen are both tenor-based groups. So Today, we're super lucky to have all three of us together in a room. Uh, this just kind of happened, and we're throwing down an episode. So, okay, guys, roll up the acapella group in a community and your knowledge of the community, how to play to that. So, Duncan, your group was in uh, Northfield, Minnesota. 
That is correct. Greg, you were in Seattle, Washington. That's right. And my group was in Tacoma, Washington, and now also Fort Collins, Colorado. So these are different campuses, different fields, different communities. And starting an acapella group, being in an acapella group is a navigation of the systems and structures in place. I think we can all agree about that. And it's kind of playing to the environment and understanding it so your group can be the most successful. What are your guys' reactions? What do you think of that? Well, when you say uh, the, the systems and structures in place, could mm-hmm. you elaborate on that yeah, a little bit I'm more? Yeah, th- I'm thinking like student body government. I'm thinking like open mic nights around. How big is the scene for independent music groups? How big is the acapella community? Uh, do you have any groups you have to compete with? Are there other acapella groups? Are there other acapella groups that are similar in size to you and that are also... Uh, similar in vocal instruments to you? What's the competition scene like? Do groups in your area usually uh, compete in ICCAs? All these kind of factors that kind of fall under what I understand as like culture and structure in the area. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say definitely if you're if you're starting a group, you need to know what environment you're in. Mm-hmm. You, you don't always need to, uh, you know, circumnavigate things like uh, student government or anything like that. Um, if you, if you plan to become, you know, an official entity that, mm-hmm. uh, like, like an entity, you know, partnered with the school itself that holds auditions and, and is something of like a, a co-curricular activity, then yeah, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, a group, well, like say, uh, Crossman itself was just its, its own kind of, Oh, you guys weren't like registered with the school or anything no. like that? Oh. No, we, we were, we were a sovereign entity that, uh, we, nice we use of the word sovereign. Thank you. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we we sprung up our freshman year, and uh, we just kind of started singing. And then our uh, kind of our our hallways RA heard us uh, <laughs> through the wall and uh, found our video on Shut YouTube, up. and then posted it. And then uh, we we started you know gaining popularity that way. But we were never actually officially affiliated with the school, though later on. Later on, we were included in a lot of promotional materials mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. We recorded our, our EP. We recorded for the, the school itself, and they mm-hmm. covered that. Um, but we weren't ever officially a co-curricular activity, which is why when we oh. were like booking spaces to perform, we were never actually able to do that under our <laughs> own name uh, or, or using our own set of equipment because we didn't uh, have anything like that through the school. So we, gotcha. uh, we begged and borrowed and stole a lot of stuff. Uh, to make that work, um, but yeah, so there there are ways I suppose to to make your group happen even without having to uh, go through a lot of red tape mm-hmm. and jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah, because for me, my thought is, oh, we need to get whenever I'm you know when I've started a group, I need to get the paperwork in as soon as I can. I need to be a school group so then I can have these benefits. I know, and um, Greg can probably attest to this at Puget Sound. Like, if you want to be a real acapella group, like a quote-unquote real one, you got to get the paperwork done. You got to get all that in so you can be on the big group performances. So you can be, uh, so you can be featured in stuff. Uh, I know Puget Sound and now Colorado State. They're both very like we need you in the books. And for my instinct is. Oh, I can get auditions. I can do publicity better. But I know you guys didn't really do a lot of that, but it still worked out for you because you kind of went viral in a little bit, little little boom or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Videos how I see a lot of hits. So, uh, Greg, what's your what's your take on this? Getting involved through and being uh, registering with student government, becoming a school entity, pros cons. Should we do it? Should we not? Um, I think it also really depends on. Um, the school that you're working in. Um, yeah. For example, if you're working in a state school like the University of Washington, which is much larger, you can 
just give impromptu performances um, in, the, in you know public places, like one public place, um, University of Washington, you know, Red Square. A lot of people will pass through that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to get a really solid following that way if you're just sort of around. Um, yeah. If you're just something people might hear about in passing. I think in, in a larger school to really establish yourself as your own entity, it really helps to get the paperwork in and yeah. to be able to perform at places on campus and really, you know, get that publicity out there. Yeah. Uh, that's that's definitely been my experience, and I know with Colorado State, um, like we're not officially registered right now. We because we just had our first semester, and it was figuring so many things out. We will be in the fall once you know I send that paperwork in. It's already I just have to give it to them. Uh, but uh, because we're not currently registered, I'm having to like kind of navigate a little differently in terms of auditions and putting publicity up in terms of like. Uh, advertising for auditions and if we want to advertise for a concert I have to be part of the school to do that so I think this is that's kind of a sense of whereas Duncan you guys did I know your own shows and you performed did you and you performed at St. Olaf and like in there how did that work for you not being a part of the official uh, like student clubs and such well our our first uh, quote-unquote performances were uh, every now and again we've decided hey let's Let's do a rehearsal in the stairwell and just see who comes and listens. Ah. Uh, and then uh, eventually we we started, you know, we, we booked a performance slot on one of our residence hall open mic nights. Um, to, open mics are a great place for acapella mm-hmm. groups. But we were really, we were using that as a test run because our first official public performance had already been scheduled mm-hmm. uh, in... Uh, we uh, our group was set up in Northfield, Minnesota, but our first performance was in DeKalb, Illinois. Oh yeah, yeah for the yeah. ICCA quarterfinals. Uh, for uh, that year, it was ICHSA, so okay. the International yeah. Championship of High School Acapella. We were the host group from that, uh, and we uh, essentially we emceed the performance uh, mm-hmm. uh, for all the different groups, and we uh, performed our own little set while the judges were deliberating. Yeah. Um, and so that was already on our table by the time we had uh, uh, set up to do this open mic thing. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was interesting because we really kind of hit the ground running. Because mm-hmm. um, our our first real you know experience, what got us exposure was the internet. It wasn't mm-hmm. a public performance or anything like that. So people really started hearing about us uh, because you know our videos were going around social media. And then when we finally did start performing publicly, it took us a, a couple of years before we actually did a performance in the school's like main mm-hmm. uh, performance space. Yeah. And why, so I'm curious, why didn't you want to become part of the, the school system? Um, I wouldn't say that we actively avoided it. Just never came up? Yeah. We, we just kind of, we knew what we were doing, which was we were singing and having fun and making good music. Uh, and then, you know, every now and again, we're like, well, hey, let's, you know, let's let's get our performances larger scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in doing that, really, all we did was uh, latch on to existing groups. So yeah. we did uh, we did collaborative uh, winter concerts mm-hmm. uh, with the other acapella groups on campus because our role as a group was different from theirs. And so we were still able to fill a musical niche that uh, that they uh, were were separate from. Mm-hmm. in those performances and then it wasn't until the spring of probably our uh 
it was either our sophomore or uh, the fall of our junior year. I can't remember now which one was our first solo performance, mm -hmm. but um, we eventually got our own just us performing slot there and even then we weren't using our own equipment we were borrowing microphones from the women's acapella group mm -hmm. and and things like that so we just kind of like i said we we you know borrowed most of what we mm -hmm. needed to make that happen yeah and so how did you register for like a space or whatever was the uh, university even though you weren't registered with the university you were still able to get a performance space on St. Olaf, the property? Uh, really what we did was we also, we tagged on to uh, different existing organizations. The The gotcha. main one, the main one that we uh, used to sponsor us was uh, actually uh, St. Olaf Opera Lovers or, or okay. STOOL for short, oh. um, which oh. is kind of an unfortunate acronym, yeah. but, yes. Uh, yes, but yes, they, they sponsored a couple of our concerts and we also had sponsorships from uh, St. Olaf Mental Health Awareness Club mm -hmm. uh, and, and, all sorts of things like that. So we, uh, you were talking earlier about using the systems in place to make your group happen. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, attached ourselves to non-musical entities uh, or, or, you know, non-performing entities yeah. um, in order to, uh, in order to achieve our uh, end goal. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because what I was talking about was, you know, first, how do we fit into the school system? But I think, Becoming a part of your community is not, once you are a part of the system, if you want to be part of the system, not making yourself an island. And I think collaborating with other groups, Greg and I did that in Timberman, where we had uh, a What She Said, which is the soprano alto group at mm -hmm. uh, University of Puget Sound. We had a soloist from them join us for um, a piece or two, which was super cool. But I know for a while we had an idea of, um, and Greg, this might have been before you were there, of like, doing a like valentine or singagram with the uh women's music fraternity sigma alpha iota and like collaborate I, I i'm curious greg what you think of collaborations with other entities like non-performing musical entities and what that can do for the group and what uh if those are worthwhile opportunities to um to follow I think especially if you're talking about a relatively new group, it can be helpful if you're collaborating mm -hmm. with a group that's already well established on campus, provided that the collaboration isn't what defines your group. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I think it was good for the Timbermen to have one specific song where we would collaborate with another group yeah. and not make it so that we're completely dependent on other groups. We are you're just like you know, a symbiote then. You're not right. actually your own thing. Right. But I think if you, in moderation can be a very good thing because it can also promote the idea that rather than simply competing with other acapella groups and promoting a lot of animosity, you know, mm -hmm. the idea is, you know, there's some camaraderie in the, you know, acapella community and that groups are kind of working together to try and, you know, create a really positive community on campus. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on that, Timberman's, uh, like our first big performance um, was actually in coordination, we opened this was our first semester. We opened for the mixed acapella group at University of Puget Sound. We opened for Underground Sound for their concert. We sang three songs before they went out to perform. And for us, that was a great way because it was different than our first ever performance, was, which was just going into a coffee shop and there and singing. But we were at an acapella concert already. The people going there, they already like acapella. So we're being like, hey, look at us. Like, and for us, that got us. That got us. Uh, we collaborated more and we had a good relationship with uh, Underground Sound. I'm still, you know, in contact with both of their directors. Both of them are at Acaville now. Uh, so we had a really good bond with them, especially when 
uh, we both Underground Sound and Timberman might be left out of the bigger events that the other two groups were in. It was kind of nice. We had a relationship there. We got to kind of get some of their audience and people like both U Sound and Timberman. So it's kind of, I think, especially because, you know, we all of us were in new groups at one point or started groups or whatever. Uh, I think it's really important to recognize like what stepping stones you can take. I can plan a bunch of individual performances this year for Mountain Horns. But if they are just all on their own, I am I am relying solely on people passing by and like my friends, not actually a bigger audience because they don't know we exist. I can invite people to like us on Facebook and maybe they'll come to one of our performances. But if I'm not putting us in front of people that I know want to hear us, but who also don't know who we are and I'm trying to teach them who we are, then that's a much trickier kind of uh, ladder to climb. So I'm curious. What kind of organizations do you guys think, as I'm going into my second year, or actually just second semester of Mountain Horns at CSU, what organizations do you guys think I should try and get Mountain Horns to partner with? There are three other acapella groups, I could do something with them, but what kind of organizations come to mind? Maybe some that are kind of outside of uh, what people might think of as a good partner in this kind of situation. Well, um, I think it really helps to play to the, the membership of your group and so if you have uh, it's currently just me okay as i am auditioned everyone knew (laughs) Uh well like for instance are you are you involved with any other uh, groups on campus i'm involved in the um i'm starting the acda chapter back up okay american choral directors association um, which i'll be the president of for that and then i'm also involved just as a member of uh the cw or the uh uh, CMA, uh, Colorado Music Educators Association, so both other non-performing music groups. Yeah, so both of those would be great things uh, that could uh, sponsor, you know, a performance yeah. for, for something like Mountain Horns. Or, you know, you can find out what else uh, people are involved with. Like, yeah. uh, we, uh, Crossman got that, you know, partnership with uh, St. Olaf Mental Health Awareness Club because our original sort of manager uh, was involved with uh, mm. with mental health awareness club, uh, and so we had a uh, a, a very small low key performance uh, in our first year called Mind the Music, which was yeah, uh, you know they they did some some mental health stuff and mm-hmm. you know had some people share stories and we sang some songs and it was mm-hmm. it was a it was a good old time. But then eventually that that uh, group sponsored a larger concert of the same style mm-hmm. uh, the the following year in a larger venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the same way that we got our uh, connection with uh, St. Olaf Opera Lovers was uh, just because a member of our group was an active member of that group. Yeah. So we, we partnered with, uh, with uh, groups that one or more of us were actively a part of. Yeah. So if I get, so let's say I'm doing auditions, I get someone who's a lacrosse player. Is the, the lacrosse team, like, I don't, I don't know if we have a lacrosse team. If we have a lacrosse team at Colorado State University and you are listening out, please let me know. Uh, but if they're doing like a benefit dinner or something, hey, can we perform at that or something like that? Uh, if Sigma Alpha Iota, I don't think any of I don't think any of the future members will be in Sigma Alpha Iota, but a partnership there in terms of fundraiser. The thing that I run into, and I'm curious, Greg, if you can answer this, is when doing these kind of collaborations, usually it is more like the group serving the larger organization, which is fair. And that makes sense if they're the ones that have the clout and are established on campus. But Greg, you know, you, you might remember uh, we sang for the uh, one of the baseball teams in Tacoma 
Oh uh, yeah, we sang at the Rainiers game, and you know it was great. That was a great venue for us. And the main thing we got there is exposure. We did not receive any funds. We did not receive anything else. And I I think that can sometimes be a barrier for people in terms of like, well, yeah, we could perform for this, but uh, and that gives us an audience. But I feel like the big thing we get out of this is ma is mainly audience rather than actual other like tangible benefits. I'm curious, Greg, whether you think um, what you think of that. Well, I think whenever you give sort of these, you know outside performances for other organizations, you can almost always do some networking and you yeah. know, try and stay in contact with the people who arrange these performances. And after you give the performance, always say, if you ever, if you have any other opportunities, performance opportunities, feel free to contact us. Yeah. And because I think especially for new groups, networking can really be key. You can yeah. really um, get your name out there. And then if, you know, the person arranging an event, you know, really enjoyed a performance, you know, they might also know of someone else who could use, you know, a yeah. group to perform. Yeah, I know one time what we performed for a, uh, like a women's rotary club or something like that. I mean, it was just like in the basement of the chapel and it was pretty low key. But even that, like, even though it didn't go anywhere, we just performed for them. Maybe, maybe one of them like could have given us like a million dollar check or something like as silly as that sounds. You like, or like donated to the organization or something like that. It's not just networking for performance sake but networking for potential future opportunities that's that's what i kind of gather would you agree duncan yeah well it also depends upon the mission of your group yeah uh so like if the mission of your group is you want to uh gain funding so that you can do you know larger scale performances and things like that mm -hmm. in the future you can rent out venues then uh then finding performances that will provide you with that funding is important yeah but if the mission of your group is more along the lines of we just want to sing we just want to have fun then you know the location doesn't matter so much as uh the the group itself yeah and if as long as as long as you guys are doing the thing that you want to do uh then i find the nature of performance to be you know secondhand uh it, it it's not it's not as important to have uh large crowds or 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 you know, huge uh, publicity, as as long as your group is doing what it wants to do. But if you want to, you know, spread that to a wider uh, audience, if you want to spread that to the the wider community at wherever you are, then definitely, you know, seeking out those high notoriety performances, even if they're without uh, monetary gain, uh, is mm -hmm. is still very much worth doing. And so. Yeah, going back to attaching yourself to other performing groups, even opening for existing yeah. groups and things like that, uh, just getting sort of a name out there is a is a good way to begin to garner support for whatever your group is. And then when you do break off and do solo stuff, you can at least have a couple uh, people in seats there. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break here on Tacapella, and we're going to be right back here talking with Greg Starr and Duncan Toomey all about the role of the acapella group in your community. Lately I've been, I've been losing sleep Dreaming about the things that we could be But baby, I've been, I've been praying hard Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars Yeah, we'll be counting stars
Listening to community supported Akaville Radio online at Akaville.org. Akaville, a wall of sound you won't want to break down. And welcome back to Tacapella. That was Duncan and Greg, and they are our guests here today on Tacapella. We're talking all about 
the role of your acapella group in your community. We talked a lot about uh, how an acapella group can fit into the larger academic institution and student groups and collaborations and such. And now we're going to move on to establishing yourself as a group within the broader community or city, separate from your academic institution. Uh, Duncan was in Northfield. Greg was in Seattle. I was in Tacoma. Greg was also in Tacoma. And I was also am currently in Fort Collins, Colorado. All very different towns, different kinds of feel. And I think there's different opportunities for groups to tap into. Because I think the thing that can make your group like really have some longevity and, and get people in your seats and whatnot is becoming like an important thing, not just to the students at your school, but to the people around, you know, um, I'm sure everyone in Eugene knows who on the rocks are and stuff like that. So, uh, Greg, what was it like in Fermata, formerly the Huskies? Did you guys do any kind of reach out to the broader community and how did that work out for you? Um, we didn't do a great deal while I was in the group. Mm -hmm. I think that once the group became Fermata, about a year after um, I graduated, they probably started to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think since you the University of Washington is just such an enormous school, um, we were mainly focused on getting a name for ourselves within the campus community since it was already such a large community. Yeah. And since Seattle is such a large city, trying to get a name for ourselves in Seattle would be a completely different task, especially with, you know, an arts community that's already very vibrant in the city. Trying to find a niche in there would be a completely different kind of challenge yeah. um, for a college campus group. Yeah. Um, but one thing that we talked about from time to time that I think a lot of acapella groups can um, look into um, in terms of what they can do outside of campus is going to other schools, particularly yeah. high schools, and performing at those schools and sort of you know, getting their name out there so that high school students or even middle school students can see an acapella perform and think, hmm, you know, I think I want to do that when I'm in college. I want to join that group. Yeah, I know for me, my first introduction to the Windjammers, which was the show choir slash acapella group slash regular choir slash whatever uh, chamber choir um, at in my school district and Lake Oswego School District was when they would come perform at the elementary schools. They are well known for that always coming and singing for the elementary students. And that got so many little kids hyped up. And something I've always wanted to do is get, take my groups to like elementary schools. Greg, I know we almost had, we had the opportunity to, and it didn't work out for us to perform at a, one of our professor's elementary schools. But even that would have been like such a great opportunity just to have little kids because they don't know if we do a bad job or a good job unless they have like perfect pitch or they're like wizards or whatnot. Um, so I think, you know, what's, what's the audience you can make the most impression on? And leave the biggest impression on. And I think, Greg, you hit on that in the sense of it's kind of hard to in Seattle with a giant school in a giant city that already has a very vibrant like life to it. In Fort Collins, Colorado, the you know people around the area, acapella is really not big in Colorado State or in Fort Collins. Acapella is honestly not even that big in Portland. For as big, it's not as big as that I think it should be for a city like this. But it's got a vibrant arts community, and it's definitely hard to get your name out. As an acapella group, not and Duncan, I'd love to hear you talk on this. Um, my theory is not necessarily because there's lots of acapella competition, but just competition from music groups in general in the area. Duncan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, in a town like Northfield, uh, that that town especially is uh, kind of its claim to fame is the fact that it hosts two really uh, fantastic colleges, mm -hmm. uh, Saint Olaf and Carleton, mm -hmm. uh, and so there wasn't uh, it. it in itself, it's not uh, a wider community that has uh, its own active scene. Most of the mm -hmm. 
Most of the music groups that are known in Northfield come from one of the colleges. As a result, I think establishing establishing Crossman as a group within that town was uh, a bit simpler because we didn't have a competing texture to insert ourselves into. Yeah. Um, but that said, I do think probably the uh, the the most important work that uh, that we did in terms of the wider community. Uh, one of them was, you know, three of the four of us were education majors, and so we spent uh, a good deal of time uh, in, you know, schools, not just in Northfield, but in surrounding towns and things like that. Uh, and we we took opportunities where we could to perform uh, in elementary schools in uh, the, probably our my, my favorite uh, school performance that we did was we tagged on to a... Uh, a high school kind of cabaret performance that they did at the Dakota Jazz Club in, mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Uh, and so we we did our own little mini set in that. But yeah, so uh, educational uh, environments are a great way to uh, get your group out into the community. Yeah. But probably the what got us most recognized in the town of Northfield itself was we uh, linked up with a lot of uh, local businesses, especially... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, food establishments we i like food yeah so we did a few performances at the the local bar the contented cow that um, is a, that is a name it is northfield is uh, the the town slogan is cows colleges and contentment so when you have a college group performing at the contented cow you've got basically the entire the entire town right there dang um and then uh the other place where we did a lot of performance was at a a, a kind of uh I suppose it was mostly a, a sandwich place, but it was kind of a coffee shop. It had a wine bar uh, called The Hideaway. Um, and we, we did several performances in exchange for sandwiches there. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's really all we wanted. Yeah. We're, we're sandwiches and a, and a chance to perform. So. I mean, I'd, be ga- I'd be down with that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, Duncan, how does that compare with your uh, high school acapella experience in Portland cloud, with Cloud9? in navigating that for performances? Well, Cloud9 was already an established group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had we had several connections through, you know, the parents of the members, but also mm-hmm. through there was uh, a, an external director who had a lot of connections as yeah. well. Uh, so we were able to get performances at things like the, uh, the Rose City Sing-Off. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a performance, I believe, one year through Brothers Sing-On, uh, yeah. It's a local men's choir festival, mm-hmm. uh, and then we've done performances at uh, at the zoo, uh, at local coffee shops. Again, re- reaching out to uh, to local businesses and mm-hmm. and other schools. We did several elementary performances with Cloud Nine, just getting people excited about growing up and continuing in music. Yeah. Um, so, I think really it's just seeking out any opportunity where music is welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I doubt that an acapella group would have nearly as much success, say, performing in a uh, in a department store as it would in, in say, a coffee shop. Yeah. Uh, because in, in either of those experiences, there's, you know, something that the consumer is attempting to do. And if yeah. music is, you know... A distraction from that. First of all, if you want to do that in something like a mall or a department store, then you need a permit. We yes. found that one out. Um, <laughs> so, so there are other things that we had to think about when yeah. we're doing community performances uh, that weren't necessarily 
the same as just tagging onto a specific business. Yeah, this idea of tagging on seems to be a recurring theme, and I think it just. I think there's a danger in thinking that, oh, we're a new acapella group. We're like, especially if you're the founder, honestly, and I'm guilty of this. I know how good we are. I know how much we can do. Our talent should be enough to draw people in. And maybe it is. uh, But so much of this, like in terms of that is up to chance and you shouldn't leave your group's uh, success in terms of establishing themselves up to only your talent. And that's why I think it's always great to have, we have someone uh, who is uh, just our, she's not part of the group. She is just our marketing person who just like reaches out and tries to find stuff for us. And that is actually, I think that's really nice when they're not even a part of the group because they're so folk, they can be separate from it and kind of give you the hard truth if you need it. Like, hey, you guys are doing a bad job at publicity. I'd be like, but we're so good. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so I'm, we have that going into this next year, which I'm, I'm hopeful for. And in terms of navigating Colorado State, um, I'm hopeful. Uh, we did a lot of performance. We did a couple of performances around the town, both downtown and just like in the middle of campus during passing periods. I think passing periods are great. I think that's a time where you're going to get the people just go like, whoa, or like we put it on their Snapchat story or just like stupid stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff that makes a difference and gets you to reach other people. So the thing that I'm thinking about more and more is just like impromptu performances, just like, hey, let's all go out in the square and let's just sing. And I'm curious. Um, both of you having been in somewhat larger groups and smaller groups, how group size factors into all this. Because this year I made the decision going into uh, the new year to not just take uh, three or four new members for Mount Norns, but to expand it to between 12 to 13. Because there's no large tenor-based acapella group on the Colorado State campus. There are three mixed groups and then Mount Norns, which was uh, five this year. And I'm going to make it big. And I have, and part of that is like, that's nice to me musically. I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about the only one holding my part, but it's also nice in that there's more manpower. There's literally going to be more people to see when we're performing. There's going to be more people wearing these shirts, these awesome shirts by Kyle Dibdahl, uh, that I'm really excited for. And I think it's going to be an easier battle for me making mountain horns known when I have 13 people as opposed to five. Greg, what are your thoughts? Um, I definitely agree with that also because, um, you know, I mentioned networking before. It's much easier to network when you have more people in the group who can you literally have easily. a larger network. Yes, they can <laughs> cast a wider net. Yeah. And part of gaining more publicity and gaining more of a following is kind of finding a niche, you know, finding mm-hmm. enough people who really want to follow your group and listen to your group consistently mm-hmm. and who might be likely to, you know, talk to people they know, their friends yeah. about your group. And the more people you have already involved in your group, sort of the, you know, more of a starting place you have. Whereas if you only have four or five people, you're not going to be able to cast as wide of a net. Yeah. And I think Greg, you and I kind of found ourselves in that situation at the beginning of your first semester in Timberman. We'd only been around one semester before that. And, you know, it was, it was tough. It was a little disheartening at times when we went and performed in the coffee shop and we told all our friends we'd be there. You know, if let's say I invite 25 people to, I think of it as like, uh, if I'm putting on a, when I was putting on my senior vocal recital, I'm going to invite my friends and my family. The people whose net I'm casting a net towards are the people in direct contact with me. When it's four or five, you have those people. You have you know you multiply that by four or five. But when you have so much bigger, you're gonna have, you have not just everyone's like close friends and possibly family. You have their acquaintances. You have their boyfriends and girlfriends and the people they just happen to see. Hey, you should go to this. But also like I think in terms of manpower. Uh, like I can literally, I can delegate way easier to a group of 12 other guys than four other guys and saying, Hey, I need you to do this. And I can send multiple people out to do multiple things. And I have more of a uh, structure 
and it's easier just for things to get done when you have more people. And obviously, if they're very dedicated, which is the big thing in that, you obviously measure in auditions. But I'm, I'm like feeling optimistic for this next year because I feel like it's just going to be easier to do things. Also, frankly, because the the standard large, I mean, when people say, hey, you talk about acapella before Pitch Perfect or Pentatonix, which is what people would probably associate it most with now, you think of like the large guy acapella group, like Straight No Chaser, stuff like that. And I'm hoping to tap into that and kind of find how that fits and how that image fits in the Colorado State acapella community because it's never been there before. Duncan, your thoughts? Well, I definitely think that the size of the group matters, Mm -hmm. but not nearly as much as uh, the involvement of the active community. Like The reason that Crossman took off wasn't because we were a big group. Mm -hmm. It's because someone shared our video on social media, Mm -hmm. and then that was subsequently shared and and, uh, over and over again. Uh, So while it's important to have those initial connections, because those initial connections will definitely bring in, like, there are there are a set number of people that you can guarantee will be there Mm -hmm. based on the connection to a person. But when it comes to those uh, connections with people that you've never known, Mm -hmm. uh, really, the the work happens from uh, from your fan base. Yeah. uh, And from one person who's not a member of the group saying that this group is worth checking out. Yeah, uh, that's that's what got Crossman its initial recognition. That's what uh, got it to the level that it was at was not us promoting it, but uh, people who liked us promoting us. Yeah, your groupies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you call it? That makes a lot of sense. And what that kind of makes me think of is and I think you bring up a good point in terms of, well, recording and actually having like, you know, sound files or videos you can upload and people can instantly access. I've seen so many uh, acapella groups that don't have a Twitter or don't have recordings up and there's no easy way to contact them or see if they're any good. Maybe I'd, hey, uh, I didn't follow Crossman just because my friend was in it. I followed it because it was good. I would follow it regardless if you were in it because I enjoyed the kind of music that was being made. And uh, obviously knowing you made it easier for me to see stuff and understand the inner workings, which was really cool. But in terms of recordings, I feel like I just see either lots of subpar recordings like on a camera phone of a not good performance or just or and you know or we get the rare few like crossman uh where it's like pretty high quality done even if it's just like with an area mic or something like that i'm like hey this group sounds good and the recording quality is good this is not a shaky iphone video like of a concert and i think that can be the biggest tool for people but i think it can also be it can be really hard so i've bought like a couple mics this year an area mic and whatnot because i want to be able to i want to tap into that hey, here's a video of us performing. It's actually good and get more than like, you know, five views, essentially. Greg, what do you, I know that's something we tried to do with Timberman and we didn't have the best audio resources around. So it was that got pretty hard. But I know, I, I definitely think that recordings are a big step towards, like Duncan said, towards building that fan base in a way outside of just you messaging people saying, hey, come to my concert. Yeah, especially if you can put those recordings on social media and make it easy to share those recordings. And I think having easily accessible recordings, having, you know, being present on social media can be an enormous benefit to a group for that reason. Just because let's say someone hears your group um, at a cafe or just in passing and they have some interest, but they might think, hmm, I want to know, know a little bit more about this group. Yeah. If you have, you know, a really organized page on like Facebook or some form of social media, Mm -hmm. then they can easily learn more about your group and learn about, you know, where they might see you next perform, Mm -hmm. what types of performances you do, what type of music you do. 
and it might be easier for them to you know become more devoted fans. Yeah. Whereas if they have no way of really finding out more about your group, they might just think, well, it was nice hearing them, but I'm yeah. not really sure when I might hear them again, or if I'm gonna, you know, if I be interested in following them more. Yeah. Fun fact: When the Mountain Horns were performing in downtown Fort Collins, we had a celebrity walk by and see us because one of our our uh, members, family members, was watching us. Looked to his left, realized who he was standing by. William H Macy was in Fort Collins. Saw us, heard like part of a song, and walked off. And had he stayed till the end, and I had, and let's say I had not said, and you can find us on Facebook at you know CSU Mountain Horns. Imagine, obviously, he didn't stick around, but imagine how big of a missed opportunity that would be if I didn't have a place for him to go and find us. I tweeted him being like, hey, here at our acapella thing. He didn't tweet back, but it was him. And we had multiple people confirm it. We found out William H. Macy was in Fort Collins that night. It is one of the highlights of my um, life. And it was uh, it was pretty beautiful. But I think, Greg, you make a really good point in terms of like always be selling, always be closing and pushing and saying like, here is us, not in an aggressive way, which I've seen some groups do before and it's uncomfortable. But uh, having like content, both a page you can be accessed on and quality content on it. Don't don't post bad recordings of your group. By the way, I've seen that. I've like liked pages, listened to the recordings. I'm like, oh, I don't I don't like this recording. I'm gonna unlike this group because I don't want to see that kind of content or I don't want to see stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 really important for uh, your group to be accessible, mm-hmm. um, especially I mean, especially if you are an upstart. Uh, than for people to be able to get at mm-hmm. uh, the stuff that you've put out there, not just in terms of your uh, content, but in terms of knowing when your performance is. Yeah. Because uh, high-quality content you know, online is extremely important. You want people to know that your group is producing uh, mm-hmm. high-quality music, but at the same time, you, you can't give it all away online. It's yeah. got to be... You've still got to be able to draw people into uh, into the concert setting, and that's something that uh, Crossman did a lot when we had a recording coming up or when we had a concert coming up. Is we would take low quality videos of only maybe fifteen to thirty seconds of music, yeah. uh, and we'd the say, trailer. "Yeah," and, and we'd say, "You know, come hear our concert or stay tuned for our upcoming video where we're yeah. going to do this." Properly, like probably my favorite one of that is when we were teasing our uh, our music video for uh, "Bring Him Home" from Les Misérables. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we did a, a a false recording of that where oh, yeah. uh, where Aaron instead of singing in his normal voice sang with uh, Hugh Jackman's vibrato, uh, which was just unlistenable. Yes, but uh, but you know we made a, a good like humorous bit out of it. Yeah. And, at the same time generated a lot of interest for when the video would actually come out. Yeah. And that video compared to our other ones had a much higher initial response rate. It yeah. took off quicker than, than a lot of our people other were videos prepared did. for it. They yeah. knew it was coming. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think also uh, we're not going to dive into this because we need a whole, ep- whole other episode too, but playing off, you know, uh, presenting your group like in a comedic sense or like, you know, playing off your charming personalities or whatnot. I know at, the uh, acapella extravaganza at um, University of Puget Sound, uh, Greg can attest to this. Like when groups were up there, like uh, like half of, not half of it, but like 25% of how I think they came across was like the funny stuff they said in between, like introducing a song or like the awkward comments that would be made. Like it was very humorous. And I think 
how that is a big way of how to sell your group to the people who are immediately there. Are you going to get up there and be awkwardly like, yeah, this next song is blah, blah, blah. Or are you going to make like a kind of funny joke out of it? Don't overly script it because then it's really bad. And that's worse than being awkward because I've seen that. Man, it was uncomfortable. But um, I think the key of this is like play to your group's strengths. That includes personalities and find the best way to promote your group, whether that's through videos, whether that is through Facebook and put your, you know, be firing on all cylinders so you can one of these will connect with someone and that's kind of all you need is just it connects with one person and you're doing you're doing it right so we're going to take one more quick break here on talk appella we're going to be right back here with duncan greg and myself Give my all to you 
Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And we are back here on Acapella with my good buddies Duncan Toomey and Greg Starr. We've been talking today all about the role of your acapella group in your community and what you can do to capitalize on that and establish yourself as a mainstay of the community culture. And we're going to take some time now to plug all of our acapella stuff. Duncan, if people want to get a hold of you, see what you're all about, how could they do that? Uh, well, you can always check out uh, Crossman on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter at CrossmanAC. Uh, or if you want to get a hold of me personally, I mean... Stalk you? Yeah, just just Facebook stalk me, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty pretty accessible person. If, like, you know. T-U-O-M-I is yeah. how you spell his last name. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but honestly, yeah, if you have, you know, questions about, uh, acapella, small groups, things like that, go ahead and get after me or get after the rest of Crossman. You can also, uh, email us at crossmanacapella at gmail.com. Boom. And Greg, if people want to see what you're all about, how could they do that? Well, it's been a long time since I was in, um, the Husky slash Fermata, but that group is still very active. And I definitely recommend that if you have not already, um, seen any of their videos or followed them on social media, I recommend you do that. If you want to get a hold of me personally, um, you can email me at g-a-s-t-a-r-r at seattleschools.org. And I'm also on social media if you want to reach out to me and talk to me about acapella or my arranging, I would be happy to respond. Boom. I'm sure Duncan would also like to arrange things for you. Both of them are fantastic arrangers. That's why they have both been on their own arranging episode on Tacapella in the past. <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me at John Lampus on Twitter, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S. And you can also find Acaville on Twitter at Acaville Radio. That is it for this week's episode of Tacapella. And we're going to end it with the catchphrase that Duncan came up to end these episodes. For everything Acapella, stay tuned. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da